What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Road to Revolution podcast, my journey with Linkin Park. Uh, today's episode, we are going to be doing another double episode here, uh, this time talking about the Project Revolution tour in 2008. Uh, first one we're talking about is at the Susquehanna Bank Center in Camden, New Jersey. Um, went to this one with Sal. Uh, no surprise there. Um, cool thing about this show is, is, is the second show at this specific venue and the first since playing with them, uh, in 2004. Now the venue did change names in between those two shows. Um, the 2004 show was, uh, the tweeter center. Um, and this one is the Susquehanna bank center. Very common thing that happens with all these different venues is they get corporate sponsorships and new owners and things like that. So the names will change, but um, you know, venue's still pretty much the same. Uh, ended up going there a couple of times for shows over the years. Uh, this being the second one, and uh, you know, the setup of the place was still pretty much the same. And we were always in the front row of the pit for these shows at that venue, so it was, it was you know, nothing too different. You know, we 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 knew the layout, we knew where to go, we knew the best spot, all that fun stuff. Um, now this one was on July nineteenth, two thousand and eight. And the lineup was really interesting. Probably one of the more unique lineups that Product Revolution ever had, um, because the, you really couldn't like figure this lineup out. Like other gears, things made sense. Like the first Product Revolution was Lincoln Park and Cypress Hill and Adiba and um, Z Trip, and then uh, 04 was Corn and Lincoln Park and Snoop Dogg and The Used and Less Than Jake. So it was somewhat of a through line there, a little bit at least. Um, and then 07, you know more of an emo-ish thing going on, um, but a mix of different things as well. But this one is all over the place. Um, you know, co-headlining with Linkin Park was Chris Cornell, which was really cool because that was just like a dream come true for Chester to be able to tour with Chris Cornell. He was someone he always looked up to and ended up being a great friend with, um, you know, up until the end. And uh, Busta Rhymes was also on this tour, which was interesting because he kind of had a bit of a resurgence at that point, but um, didn't last long, as you'll see, uh, we'll talk about in this episode. Um, and then the Bravery, who aren't very big anymore, but at the time, um, they they were blowing up. They had a song that was uh, a big hit on the radio, and MTV was still a big thing. Oh, I don't say big thing, but they were playing music videos still at that point, and their video was on there quite a bit at the time. So uh, they were they they were hard to miss uh, during this uh, this year or so. Um, and then Ashes Divide, which I, f I remember correctly, is one of the members from a Perfect Circles other band. Um, not to be confused with the other member of Perfect Circles other band, uh, which would be Tool, because uh, Maynard, as most people know, is in both bands. Uh, but this one was, I think, Billy Howardell uh, was the, the main guy in Ashes Divide. So that was the main stage lineup. Second stage had a, a bunch of really good bands, too. Um, Ten Years, Hawthorne Heights. Armor for Sleep. Um, Street Drum Corps was on this tour as well. They started the tour on the side stage and they ended up getting moved up to the main stage later on. Uh, I don't know if that was because of um, Busta Rhymes leaving, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, yeah, um, Street Drum Corps ended up jumping up to the main stage after a little bit of the tour. But let's talk about this show in, in particular now. Um, the set list was, you know, 
it was really good. Um, you know, they still only had the three albums at the point, so they were they were really pushing Hybrid Theory, Meteora, and uh, mainly Minutes to Midnight because this was the the last U.S. tour they were doing for that album. So there's still a bunch from that album they were playing on this tour. Um, but there were two interesting performances that happened on this show. Um, one of them was Chris Cornell came out for Crawling, which was absolutely beautiful uh if you've ever listened to soundgarden or uh, you know audio slave or his solo stuff or anything he's been involved with his voice is just so beautiful um and it, and it works as a rock voice it works as just this beautiful singing voice it works as this grungy raspy voice he's got a great range to it and it works so well on crawling and hearing Chester and Cornell together was just really, really something special. Um, I remember they were doing, as I mentioned in the last episode, they were doing the digital souvenir packages for this tour where you can download your show afterwards. Um, and they would always like have a tour photographer with them. Um, and they would try to include photos taken at that show in the DSP. Uh, the digital souvenir package. And there was one picture, I think it was from this show, it might have been from the other shows on this tour, of Chris Cornell and Chester singing Crawling together. And it is beautiful. Um, you just see them, I, I think the picture's from behind, and you see them looking at each other um, with the crowd in, uh, you know, in the background of the picture. It is just fantastic. Um, and that because of that, we have recordings of this song. And I, th I even think this was released on one of the LPU CDs, uh, not from this show, but from one of the shows on this tour. Um, they ended up releasing the recording of these two um, singing, crawling together, uh, which is just very, very beautiful and, and very bittersweet now, given um, you know what happened with both of them uh, so many years later. But another cool thing that happened on this show performance-wise was um, Buster Rhymes had a single out that summer called We Made It, which was Buster Rhymes and Chester and Mike. I actually think the song was billed as Buster Rhymes and Linkin Park. Um, so it was only ever performed six times with Linkin Park. Um, this was the third or third or fourth, I think, from that very small handful of times. Um, but it was really cool to see. Like, Buster Rhymes came out, Spliff Star and Adam Monroe came out, and they, they all did the song together. And uh, it was great. Um, I actually really, really liked that song. Um, so getting to see that live, and knowing that it was a very, very small handful of times that it was ever played live with Chester and Mike, uh, with Buster Rhymes doing it together, uh, was, it was kind of a cool experience to have. Now, my favorite memory from this show, though, is, and I get to live this one on because of the DSP, um, right before Breaking the Habit, at the tail end of Pushing Me Away, Chester starts talking about, um, you know, uh, hey, we got some diehard Lincoln Park fans in the house. Um, and right as Breaking the Habit starts, you hear him say, um, you know, the... Yeah, uh, the I forget exactly what he says, but because of the DSP, we actually have the audio of it. So instead of me, you know, trying to re relay it from memory, um, I'm just going to play the clip of him uh, uh, of what he said. Um, so here it is. Uh, here's Chester uh, talking in between pu uh, pushing me away and breaking the habit. 
uh, at the Camden show in 2008. I see some fucking passionate people out here in the crowd tonight. What's up? Fucking some of the most hardcore Linkin Park fans in the world are right here, my boys. All right. I know it's it's a very small thing, you know. It's not like he called us out by name or or he said this whole big speech or thing, but this small piece of audio means so so much to me because even though he was on stage and we were in the crowd and there was it was part of the bigger show and it was a few seconds. This was such a nice interaction to me. Um because it just meant that he and we knew he remembered us. We knew he knew us. He would always come down and say hi and give us a hug and things like that. But this, I don't know, this, this one just stuck with me. Um, and it just, it, it, it still means the world to me. And what I like even more is, you know, at the 2004 show I played with them and I have the recording, the video of that, which means everything. Like I love having that, but being able to have that end the, this recording here where Chester just, you know, says, you know, my boys, I, I don't know. I, I, this venue always has a special place uh, for me with Lincoln Park. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I just wanted to share that. I really like that story. Um, and it, it's a nice thing that, you know, it's Sal and I get to have, you know, he, you know, Chester looks down, he sees us, he decides, you know, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to say anything. He could have just looked at us, pointed at us or winked or waved or whatever, but he, he wanted to say something, uh, which, you know, mean, means the world to me and Sal. So, uh, all right. I just wanted to tell that little story. Um, but, um, notes about the set list. Otherwise, um, street drum Corp actually came out and helped with the intro, uh, going into no more sorrow, which was their opener on this show. Um, they were still doing the, the different set lists, um, each night. Um, not a different one every single night, but they had like, um, a handful of sets that they would cycle through. So if you were going to multiple shows in a row or multiple shows on the tour, the odds of seeing the same show weren't exactly high because, you know, it was, it was, I don't know if it was random or if they had a certain pattern, but, um, they'd be able to change it up. And it, 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 like I said, in previous episodes, it helps, it helps them because they're not saying, playing the same thing every night. They're not getting tired of it. And then it helps the fans if they're going to multiple shows, especially when you get into those clusters of like the Northeast where, you know, if you, if you're in New York city, you can be in Connecticut in two hours. You can be in Boston in four hours, Philadelphia in two hours. Um, if the show does New Jersey as well, like, um, they can do, uh, you know, an hour away from you as well. So you get a good run of shows for an easy, not lot of travel. Um, so it's nice that they, they switch these up and I'm sure the, the, the bigger benefit is them not playing the same set every night and hating it by the end of the tour. But it's, it's a nice bonus for the fans who go to multiple shows. So speaking of multiple shows, let's move on to the other show um, that I went to on this tour. Now, an interesting note about this tour was um, Sal and I had tickets for the very next day in Connecticut, in Hartford. Um, But we were just wiped after this show. I don't know what it was, but, you know, between the drive there and the drive back and then we were all over the place in terms of like where we lived. We didn't live near each other exactly in New York. So I was probably about 45 ish minutes away from my house in New York. So it was never, you know, it wasn't any, an easy, you know, I drive home and then we're home. It's, 
I drive back and then I'm either driving, you know, Sal's driving to his house and I'm getting in my car from his house and driving home or I'm driving him to his house, dropping him off and then I'm driving home. So it just, you know, you get exhausted doing this. And I was like, you know what? We have this show, this first show in Camden and then Hartford. And then um, we had another show in Jones Beach on Tuesday, um, I think it was. And I was, I, I, I knew if I did all three, I would be wrecked, especially because I had vacation coming up the day after the Jones Beach show. So we ended up doing... Uh, we ended up bailing on the Hartford show, uh, which I always regret. You know, you, you hate regretting Lincoln Park, uh, regretting missing a show um, because, you know, especially now that, you know, we don't have Chester anymore. It's, you know, it, it just sucks knowing that I, I skipped a show. Um, I, 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 I didn't get tickets to a show or I didn't go to that show. The ones that, I don't know which ones suck more. Uh, the ones where you had the tickets and you just didn't go. For whatever reason, whether it was you were sick, uh, there was an emergency, uh, you were too tired, something came up, whatever it is, or is it the ones where you just physically couldn't go? Um, you know, whether you were a teenager who was grounded, or your parents uh, said you couldn't go to one on a school night, or, um, or you know, you didn't know it was happening. Uh, you know, I, I, I know I've mentioned before that show on my birthday in two thousand and one or two thousand. I didn't know that show happened until way after. And that kills me because they played at such a small venue. And I would have loved to have been at that tiny, tiny venue in New Jersey uh, seeing my favorite band on my birthday. But, you know, the, these things are what they are. So maybe maybe it's the ones you don't know about that hurt more. Um, but that's also out of your control. So maybe it's the ones that you choose not to go to that are a bit rougher. I don't know. I'm rambling. Um, but yes, we didn't go to Hartford. Um, but that's okay because we had a couple of days to relax. I ended up going to my dad's in New Jersey, uh, after the, um, Camden show, I dropped Sal off. And once we decided not to go to Hartford, um, I drove to my dad's house in Jersey, which was not very far from Sal. And, uh, I just relaxed there for a couple of days with him and then we went to the show in New York in Jones Beach, um, which is what we're going to talk about right now. Um, same lineup, you know, Cornell, Buster Rhymes, The Bravery, Ashes Divide. This one was at the Jones Beach Theater in Wonton, New York. Uh, this one would mark my fourth show at this venue um, throughout my, uh, we'll call it Lincoln Park career. Um, it's not a career. I was not being paid for any of this. Uh, my Lincoln Park journey. This was my fourth show at Jones Beach. Uh, again, went to the show with Sal. This one was on July 22nd, 2008. Um, set list notes for this one. Um, they, we, they did, we made it again. Um, this was the second to last time it was ever played. Um, the last time would be the very next night at Homedale in New Jersey um, before Busta dropped off the tour. Now, at the time, all we knew was at first, hey, um, I think we had heard during the New York show or something that Busta was going to leave the tour. We didn't know anything. It was a rumor. And that's all we knew. Um, and then on the day of the 23rd show, um, which I did not go to, and I'll talk about why shortly, um, we had heard that he, he wasn't performing 
Um, Salad told me that he was at the show and they were told uh, Buster Rhymes will not be performing today. So the main stage will just be Chris Cornell, The Bravery and Ashes Divide with Linkin Park headlining. Um, But Busta did come out still, even though he didn't do his own set, he still did come out and do We Made It at the Homedale show, um, which would mark the last time it was performed on this tour. Um, And it would mark the last time that it was played with Linkin Park and Busta Rhymes together. Um, I'm sure Busta has played it himself at shows over the years. Um, I don't know if Linkin Park's ever played it on their own. Um, That is something I probably should look into, but I don't know that offhand. But other other set list notes, um, they closed with One Step Closer again. Um, so uh, the show before this, the Camden show, Bleed It Out was the closer, this time closing with One Step Closer. So this goes into the whole they're changing the set list, which is nice because you just don't know. So when they play a song earlier in the set list, you're, you suddenly go, oh, hey, that's not closing anymore. Like in Camden, uh, One Step Closer was the second to last song in the main set, whereas in uh, Jones Beach, Bleed It Out was the closer of the main set. Faint, which closed the main set in uh, Camden, was the second song in Jones Beach. So, you know, these these shuffled around playlists or set lists were really nice because you really started throwing curveballs and it wasn't seeing the same show anymore. Um, and the flow of the show felt a little bit different because if you do this song after that song, it suddenly takes on a different life at points. Um, it's not like, um, you know, if you do a bunch of softer songs in a row, it brings the crowd down a little bit. If you do a bunch of heavier songs in a row, everything goes a little crazy. So they, they started to get a really good like ebb and flow of what, what worked where and when you should do the more ballady songs and when you should do the more heavy songs and the screamy songs and stuff like that. So even with the, the shuffling around of the set lists, they worked really well um, to find the, what was the right flow for the show, how to bring the crowd into it in ways that they never feel like they're jumping um, kind of you know haphazardly around uh, the different styles and sounds. Um, one personal note about the Jones Beach show was <clears throat> I believe a week or so or maybe in the days before, I don't remember the exact timeline of things, um, I had a, a family member pass away. And right around that same time, I had gotten a new phone. And the, the, they don't have anything to do with each other except that I always correlate one with the other. I remember getting the new phone and then going to the the wake um, and you know, getting text messages and calls from people. And for some reason, I just, you know, this was um, pre-iPhone for me. So the iPhone had existed a little bit at this point. The iPhone, the original iPhone was out for about a year or so, give or take. Um, but I just gotten my first BlackBerry, which I was very excited about. I'd had PDAs before. Um, I had the Microsoft, um, not the Microsoft, the, um, the Motorola Q. Motorola Q, which I thought was a great phone. It ran Windows. That's where the Microsoft comes in. It ran Windows Mobile or um, Mobile Windows. I don't know if it wasn't Windows Mobile. It was actually a smaller pocket version of the Windows OS. So it was pretty much like a mini functioning computer. And the Motorola Q had, you know, a full QWERTY keyboard and it was great. It had um, my um, mini, was it mini SD or mic? I think it was mini SD or uh, micro, whatever, whatever. I think it was mini. 
but it was great. Um, I loved this phone, but eventually it started crapping out. I think I actually got it wet. So my new goal was, I was like, let me make the jump. I've heard a lot of great things about BlackBerry. Let me, let me try it. So I bought the BlackBerry and I only had it for a couple of days. And at the Jones Beach show, it started to crap out. Um, it would lock up. And the day after the Jones Beach show, I was leaving for vacation um, to go to the San Diego Comic-Con, which was my first ever um, trip to San Diego, my first ever trip to California, um, and my first ever trip to the San Diego Comic-Con, which I was so incredibly excited about, which cool little way to intersect these things. Years later in 2014, and in an episode we'll talk about a bit later on, I went to a Lincoln Park show at San Diego Comic-Con. So we'll talk about that one in a few episodes. Um, but nice little way to tie these together. <clears throat> but at the Jones Beach show, my phone just started crapping out and I couldn't get it to work. And then I got it to work at home right before we left for the vacation. And I was like, okay, great. This is awesome. And then we got out to San Diego and then within maybe a few hours of being there, my phone just was like done. It's not going to work anymore. It gave up. And so for my entire first visit to San Diego uh, and my first visit to San, San Diego Comic-Con, I had no phone. I had no camera because the only camera I thought I was going to have was on the phone. So I didn't bring my own pocket camera. Uh, so I, I didn't take any of my own pictures when we were out there. Luckily, uh, my best friend Stolas went to this, um, went on this trip with me along with our, 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 our friend Alex. And we, he, he took a ton of pictures, so we had tons. But this phone drove me so mad throughout this trip. Eventually, I threw it across the hotel room because it just wouldn't do anything. And the phone didn't break. Um, not that it would have mattered. The phone was dead at this point. But the back of the phone, this is when you could take the back of your phone off and swap the battery out and this, you know, put the SIM card in and things like that. The back of the phone flew off the phone itself and then like like a rocket shot underneath the fridge in the hotel and the fridge was like bolted to the counter so i i you know it was a a smaller motel um right by the mexico border we were staying a little bit more further south of san diego um and i guess things were a bit more tight there for security reasons and this fridge was just locked in place couldn't uh couldn't move it couldn't budget so that i like to think that, uh, 12 years later this uh this blackberry curve um phone backing still lives under that uh for a uh, small refrigerator at this hotel in san ysidro california um but all that started because i bought this phone a week before the show and the phone just started crapping out at the lincoln park show um so I hope you enjoyed that side tangent of uh, my my phone journeys uh, regarding Lincoln Park shows, which they're not really tied, but they're personally tied in my memory. So I had to tell that story. Um, so I mentioned earlier the show the next day was in, uh, in Homedale, New Jersey. Um, this was one of the first ever shows, uh, local shows. Like the, I mentioned we didn't go to the uh, Camden uh, – Hartford show because um, we, we were just too tired. Um, for me up there, local shows were New York City, Brooklyn, Long Island, um, the immediate New Jersey area. So like East Rutherford, Giant Stadium, the IZOD Center, 
um, you know, the Homedale PNC Bank Art Center. Um, pretty much anything past there was a bit more of a not not a challenge because you know some were still pretty easy to get to, but anything more than an hour ish in change um, were a bit more of a a, a hike. So. Anytime there's a show within those local areas that I was just talking about, I, I made every effort to never miss any of them. Um, and this one would mark the first one that I, I missed um, at these areas um, since I was in control of that. Like I don't count the ones in high school where I wasn't allowed to go or I was, um, you know, grounded or I was already doing something. Like this was the first one where the tour was announced and we were already planning to go to San Diego for Comic-Con. And I said, you know what? It's fine. We're going to Camden and we're going to Jones Beach. Two shows is great. And then I'll go to San Diego Comic-Con and have an amazing time, which I did. So I regret nothing. But the Homedale show would mark the first one that I ever said, nope, I'm, I'm going to go on vacation. I'm, I'm not going to go to that show. I'm choosing not to go to that show for uh, in a local show, which, um, you know, I, I – like I said, it's it's tough to miss a show, but when when your reasons are as good as going to your first ever San Diego Comic Con, you can't really complain. I mean, we had an amazing time on that trip, um, and I've been lucky enough to attend San Diego, San Diego Comic Con many many times since then. Uh, we went in 2010, 2011, 14, 16, and eighteen. Um, was hoping to go this year. Um, got my badge and everything, but and, you know we're we're living in the coronavirus's world right now. So, uh, San Diego Comic-Con will not happen in its normal function this year. Um, but it seems that it will happen digitally in a way. I was just reading that earlier today, so we'll see what that entails. Um, but before this podcast turns into me talking about San Diego Comic-Con forever, which I can definitely do, um, I'm going to wrap this week's episode up. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Um, you know, we're, we're in the 20 something episodes range now um i lose track because once we do the the combo episodes you know that that starts messing with the actual numbers so i know we're in the 20s or maybe almost at 20 here but um thank you for listening i i I truly appreciate it um i know there's a handful of people around the world that have been listening i look at the the stats and i see a ton of people from around the country listening um and i know people around the country but i don't think i know that many people so I always thought that's cool. Um, I look and I see we have people from uh, UK, India. The India one's crazy. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't know my show would have reach in India, so I appreciate that. Um, so I, I genuinely thank you guys for listening. Um, I'm forever grateful for that. Um, but I'm going to wrap it up right now. This week, um, next week, I'm sorry, next week's show, we are going to be talking about a very special show. Um, this was not part of a tour per se. It was a one-off in New York, uh, you know, perks of living in New York city, uh, you know, perks of living in a major city. Uh, the big bands love to come through and do these things. Um, so this one we're talking about next week was the thousand suns release show at the best buy theater in New York city. So that one will be next week. Um, but that is it for right now. I thank you so much for listening. My name is Billy and this has been my road to revolution.